When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton, as ever. And psychic Josh Landy is himself, as ever. Not in his Soho House style office, though. He's he's, uh, he's in another house for for a while. How are you, Josh? I am great. I am still very much at my in-laws. I'm wondering, is this the latest ever recording, possibly? Time of Could night be. for a podcast? Yeah. Oh, I think your Newcastle over the bridge trip was uh, much uh, later. Interesting. Okay, maybe the latest ever not straight after a match podcast. Because, boys, you also did one famously from the back of a, yeah. a car on the way yes. back from Old Trafford. Well, we went to Man U, yeah. Yeah, there was. We had someone. We, we had. That's by the way. That's uh, uh, that. That was Alan Alger, the, whose voice you heard just now. Let me introduce him. Hi, Alan. Alan, you has. When's the last time you were? It feels like a long time since you graced Ooh, us with your that, expertise. About six six weeks ago, maybe just. Oh, after oh, oh okay. New Year. Yeah, oh, fine, fine. It's great to be back. It's, it's great good. to be back. It's great to have you back. Obviously, um, yeah. Some one of our listeners said um, if I was going to go into the to the Liverpool game with you that he wanted us to do a drunken. Um, car back journey, car back home. But presumably you're going to drive, so you can't. Um, you couldn't have done that anyway, could you? Unless you're hiring a driver to take you to. Uh... Well, I wouldn't say I'm hiring a driver. That'd be disrespectful to Gareth the Bear Parker, but he has agreed to drive, ah. uh, which is very exciting. So I'm looking forward to the the journey Easter Sunday up the uh, up the motorways with Gareth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that uh, was a ma- massive game, but we'll get on to all that. You'll get on to that, I, Alan. I saw you actually um, at the game on um, on Saturday, Sunday, Saturday. When was it? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, yesterday. Did you? Yes, I was uh, walking uh, along club level, um, and I saw you, and I, I just literally looked up. At the, but you were you were so you were walking so fast. Like, I mean, we're about five minutes away from kickoff, like maybe 10 minutes away from kickoff, actually. But you're walking so fast in the opposite direction. I was like, I, I can't possibly stop you because you were like a man possessed, striding along club level very purposefully. Was that were. was that before the game? Yeah, yeah, before the game, yeah. Well, that's odd. I, yeah. I, I did do that at half-time. I don't know, I don't know if anyone heard, but... Um, uh, my son's birthday was read out just as the team came out for the second ah. half. And thanks to Pete, who um, got in touch with me after I was probably um, unfairly critical of his uh, opening few games as the new Tannoy announcer mm. at the Emirates. And now, along with Nigel Mitchell, is about the best duo you will find at any Premier League ground. So... Um, if there were awards for most improved from last season, it would it would Ooh. go to uh, to Pete. He doesn't need me to say that because uh, no. he's very very good. But he managed to squeeze in Matthew's birthday wishes just as the team came out for the second half, and oh, I looked good. like a man possessed in the second uh, in, at half time, trying to record that. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going before the game. I, mm. I think I got in there reasonably early. Yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, it would to, have I mean, been that's... good to have stopped 
and uh, chat. Could have had a stop and chat. Yeah, could have had a stop and chat. Yeah, I I should have done. I should have done that. Yeah. Um, uh, It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, is he? Is he? Does he play the music as well? Because they they played this like new metal track. Do you notice, like, um, at one point, and I was thinking, I haven't heard this before, this song, and I don't know who it was by or, or whatever, but it sounded like quite a swerve, quite a kind of pivot for the Arsenal song list, playlist that they usually play. But um, you could make a be... request, Boyd. Yeah, well, true. You could, he does, yeah, listen, I mean, he does I, listen to this he show. Does, oh, he excellent, does okay. Show. I, I love that, firstly, Alan's come 360 on this newfound friendship that you have and I'm a huge fan of of Pete bumped into him in the uh, media center I think ahead of the Arsenal Man City game he does listen to the podcast the absolute legend part of this wondrous period at Arsenal um that um that we're all going through but Boyd I'm convinced of it what would you like Boyd make a request we've got sure Leeds United on the first we've got 10 days notice to tell yeah. Pete what song okay. you want involved I reckon he'll do it do something realistic realistic okay um i'll have a think nothing comes i'm trying to think um something rousing um okay we'll ponder that we'll come we'll come back to that okay uh anyway uh it was a very i would describe it as once we scored i mean this happens a lot this season as far as i'm concerned like kind of we we start pretty well we start kind of with our relentless attacking force that we have now the well-oiled machine that is arsenal current 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 present day arsenal and if we don't score then you like you get a bit tense and they, they have a couple of and you think oh that they you know the opposition will have a couple of chances even crystal palace managerless crystal palace um had a couple of chances but once we score i think that's it really and then once we scored two before half time you're like well we're definitely in for a relaxed second half weren't we alan how did you see yeah, I, th- I think I think the way this team, this particular team plays, especially in the Premier League, scoring the first goal is key to the way that we are set up. And um, even though we have come back and won games when we've been behind, and obviously the Bournemouth game was a key example of that, our previous home league game, um, I think what you'll find is we 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 tend to sort of up the pressure on about ten minutes slightly change formation and if we can score in that 10 to 20 minute period that seems to be optimum for the way that that Arteta sets us up and I know it was just after that period that we scored but um, you know Palace did have that probably one and a half chances before we managed to get the goal and ours was actually fashioned from quite a difficult sort of little period of play where it was only really a half chance as it came to Martinelli and he he, he had the player in front of him. Mm. Just to, he just managed to swerve to the left of him and get that shot away. Um, but up until then, I didn't feel we were completely out of control and, and that Palace were going to score, even though they had had the best chance of the game up until then. But it is key that we score the first goal in these games against these teams at home. And you know, if we get one before the first half hour, we usually go on to score three or four. Yeah, Zaha had a chance, didn't he, where he struck the post. Um, yes, and as good a game as Rob Holding had, that was his fault for getting dragged into the middle. Um, he, he he made a, a lunging tackle nowhere near where he should have been, and if he'd have just sort of stayed in position, they, they wouldn't have been able to attack there. But um, he had a very good game, all things considered. It seemed an odd day for Mikel Arteta to tell Gabriel to wander up the left wing a few times. I'd have <laughs> probably liked to have seen him next to holding, almost literally holding Holding's hand as he <laughs> played in holding, that centre-back holding. pairing. Holding, holding. Um, but it was weird, yeah. He, he, he sort of went off to the left and, and appeared on the left wing many, many times, Gabriel. Um, and then when Tierney came on, he was he was wandering through the middle, Ala Zinchenko. Yeah, so it was. Yeah. It's it's it's. I love to see it. I mean, obviously, you can play a bit fast and loose when you're playing against a team that that are sort of as bereft as Palace at the moment. Even though they're attacking freedom, they don't really they don't really offer up much. Um, so I guess it was the ideal game. Uh, even Thomas Partey with a little cameo at right back when when uh, they shuffled around the defence. I mean, at the end, our yeah. back four, our back four was Tierney, 
Partey, <laughs> Kivior, and Holding. Yeah. It was <laughs> You'd wild, be pretty yeah. worried if someone had just told you that. I know, out of the yeah. Blue at some yeah. Point. He so, was really. Uh, he was really taking the opportunity to give players minutes, wasn't he? It was where he really was like, right, I'm now I'm going to. Yeah, uh, and, and he had some, I think, mildly, and I'll say mildly, mildly fair criticism that he possibly got the sporting uh, game wrong in the sense that he overloaded with the better players in the mid to latter period when he probably should have got it out of the way a bit earlier. Um, although, look, that's probably, that's because of the way it played out, it's easy to say that. So I think it's mm. mildly fair um, criticism that that sharing around those minutes didn't work quite as well on Thursday as it did yesterday. Well, we'll talk about that. There's a whole load, there's loads of things to discuss about Thursday. Yeah. But, but Josh, what did you make? Holding had a really good game, didn't he? Apart from that moment, I would say. I think he did have a, a, a pretty good game. I don't think he'd necessarily had the, the greatest start. You know, the, the opportunities are hard. I think you can definitely, um, you know, wonder if he could have done a little bit better. But just on, on that moment with Zahar, it yeah. was, uh, reminiscent, wasn't it, of the moment where Jorginho hits that kind of situation at Aston Villa and it goes off Martinez and goes in. And yes, yes, you know, Ramsdale knew nothing about what was going on. And the way the ball actually hits him on his body and, and goes back and just misses the goal was, was incredibly fortunate because it's definitely one of those that could have gone in. But afterwards, I think Holding did great. I mean, we're talking about a a, a guy who had, I think, was it under twenty minutes of Premier League football going into the eight, eight going minutes into the game, only. eight right. minutes only. Wow. It, yeah. it, extraordinary. Like here we are in game twenty eight of the season, and he's and he's finally um, being called upon, um, and he and he did admirably, you know. And actually, for the Palace goal, you can point a finger at, at Gabriel, the more experienced centre back, and you wonder if the roles are being reversed. How many people would be? you know, make a big song and dance about holding, making a error leading to the goal. I think there's probably still a nervousness now about how long Saliba is out for. And that game away at Liverpool, never mind worrying about City at the end of April, just makes you a little bit nervous because I think the last time that, we, you know, holding was, was called upon was... Um, was Tottenham away and it, it couldn't have gone more wrong for, for him or for Arsenal that night. So I think there is still a hesitancy there. But in terms of what we could have asked for yesterday from, you know, someone coming in without a league game all season, I, I thought he did like exceptionally well. And, you know, I, I wonder if the Thomas party going out to right back is a little bit within mind now that they know the Tommy Asu situation is not good. The stories today seem to suggest that his season is done and and hopefully mm. not too worse beyond that. So if it's just Ben White, maybe he's thinking yeah, about if he will point. need to sort of yeah. move Thomas Party out to out to right back. And then, you know, he's given Kiwi or his first minutes in the Premier League. So, you know, it seems to be some, you know, pretty smart forward thinking decisions. Mm. He's you solved the riddle there of why of why the hell um party got to go got to, got to go right back yeah which we were all like what the fuck's going on yeah why is, why is this happening yeah so yeah sure it, right. it was a yeah. it, it was a strange one but I, I'm sure that was some kind of method in in the madness of you know thinking of Jorginho gets on the pitch and what may or may not be needed but um obviously look Ben White has been you know terrific and and hopefully you know he'll stay fit. Um, I know Alan, and I must give credit to Alan because when he and I um, had dinner before one of the Arsenal games not that long ago, he was highlighting how a Ben White assist odds are massively overpriced every game. And sure enough, Al, Ben White came good for you this weekend. He did indeed. Um, it was, I think, his third or fourth assist of the season, but you can still get around 10 to 1 each time. Arsenal play and if you if you back him in the home games where we're likely to get more chances he puts the ball into the box about four or five times per game um, it's a good bet um, I think I said to you on WhatsApp yesterday half joking it's guaranteed money of course it's not please gamble responsibly but <laughs> but um, mathematically if you're backing him at around 10 to 1 and he's, he's putting about four or five balls into the box per game 
uh, then you will be quids in. And he even had a smile on his face when he passed that ball to, to Saka yesterday. I, someone replied to me on Twitter because I, I sort of pointed it out after watching the highlights. Um, he thinks it's because he saw the two Palace players coming towards him and leaving all of that space and almost sort of not quite believing his luck that he just had to thread that ball through. And uh, there you go. The ball went into the net. And yeah, uh, yeah paid out again. Uh, yeah. It's, a, well, it's that... a good bet. It should be about two to one. And it's about 10 to 1 every game. But now I've told the masses listening to this. Then I'm on it. Yeah, I'm on it. Yeah. Obviously, um, obviously yeah. we'll it see. Might, might shorten up. We'll see. But yeah, it's that, that understanding he's got with Saka, that their overlaps Brilliant. they do and the little, yeah, the little um the little balls they play to each other are, fan- are absolutely fantastic. That's that is working so well, isn't it? And it's like um I think um uh, Martin Keown described them as tickle, a little tickle of a pass, he said on uh, TV. I think he said it two or three times because he was so pleased with it. Fair enough. It is, it's a good <laughs> word. It's a good word for those little passes. But there was also that moment with Ben White where um, he was bundled into by Xhaka, wasn't he? There was the Xhaka-Ben White coming together, um, which was one, which was funny. And they both smiled quite soon after that. You thought for a minute maybe they might start kind of square off against each other. But um, Yes. Um I actually wrote about this in my three oh, things from the game. Of course. For the Gooner. Uh, I was a little bit negative I, I, and I really didn't mean to be and I, I definitely painted the context there, but it, it was a funny moment. Jacker was trying to clear the ball. He didn't get his foot under it and it was almost as if, almost as if Ben White saw him struggling and just came to help him by just blasting the ball out for a corner, which actually the corner that the palace got their consolation goal from so it was after that that they both so as you say were laughing with each other then they were right ra- ra- sort of raising the crowd by you know you know lifting their arms up to the crowd and it was just a surreal moment because it, to me it felt like the players were actually conveying that they know they're really close to winning the title it just seemed like a, a really odd moment and mm. I, I went a step further by saying it was almost akin to like the next thing we might be hearing is the kind of don't let it slip speech that that Stephen Gerrard gave before actually ironically slipping and uh, handing Liverpool the the title and um, handing Chelsea the title. Sorry. So, I, I mean, I didn't want to go far too far with it, but I just thought it was an odd moment to get the crowd going and save those moments yeah 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 it was, Look, it was a really, it was I had really... three points to make and that was my <laughs> final point but it, it just seemed an odd moment to get the crowd going we were 3-0 up we didn't need to get silly and uh, it seemed a bit silly but I still loved it all the same and I still yeah. cheered I mean, and went crazy myself so yeah I cannot oh, that's talk good. I that's cannot fine. talk that's fine and wasn't one of your points a while ago in your column in the Guna um uh, complaining about um, all the all the time that Saka spends playing, and that um, he, should, he deserves a rest. It's turned out right, isn't he? Really? I mean, look, none of it was pointed at him suddenly I know, becoming I know, terrible. Pointed. I, um, but I, I, I deserve to have to answer that. Yeah, um, I just think at his age, we should try and get as much rest into him as possible. But he's proving that completely wrong. I mean, the only way I get proved right is if, God forbid, in three years' time, he goes down with a kind of injury record that someone like Wilshire or or, or um, Ramsey had after sort of playing that young and that many times. But mm. um, I don't want to. I don't want to be proved right there. So let's just say that hopefully never ever happens. And. I, I just, I, I'm running out of words to say about him. I, I mean, I didn't put him oh, in yeah. the column because it's almost taken for granted now. 10 assists, 10 goals. Bizarre, just bizarre numbers, but effort, almost effortless on the pitch. And then he sort of has these weird periods where you think, oh, he is struggling now, get him off and wrap him in cotton wool. And then he'll ride three tackles that you know, someone... Ten years older would probably balk at, and then and then he's just scoring goals for fun. I, honestly, I I I can't believe it. I, I'm 
trying to think back to a time when you could look at a player and say, I'm amazed by you every single week. Mm. And I can't think back in the history of the club that, that that has been the case. I don't know whether I'm overdoing it, but I'm I'm lost for words with him every single week. He just yeah. and then he just smiles and then does an amazing interview. You think, what 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 you know, how how yeah. we got this player. I I, what I, I like I'm about running yeah, out of words incredible. to say about it. I know. What I liked about his interview on Match of the Day 2 was that um, he he kind of always laughs and smiles at before unleashing the cliche that he has to unleash about taking every game as it comes, whatever however whatever wording you want to use. Because obviously everyone's under strict rules. You cannot acknowledge the fact that we are in the race for the, to win the league. Um, and, or, you know, you just have to kind of butt, butt, bat it away. But he's, he does it with that smile on his face. He's like, I know what I'm saying is cliche. I know I have to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Josh, I mean, He's just, what can you say? There, there are no more words for his, the joy, the joy of Saka. That's a lovely phrase, the joy of Saka. Well, look, the, the Premier League is widely seen as the best league in the world. And right now, if there was a vote for player of the season, then we have to acknowledge Erling Haaland is, is in the conversation. But there's every reason to make arguments for Saka. So we've mm. potentially got the currently the best player in the best league in the world and he's 21 it's outrageously exciting about what he can become over the next few years as he gets to you know what will hopefully be um an even higher level that that he hopefully has to come so we should be hugely excited because to have someone of that nature of our club would be hugely exciting, but to have a HLN graduate become that person mm. is unbelievable. And maybe it's taken until around now for fans of other clubs to realise quite what we've got at Arsenal in Saka. Um, you know, I think he's also been the um England player of player of the year. Um obviously you've got you know, Harry Kane, who sort of shone for England, but I think he's now being turned to. Saka is also the, you know, the leading and shining light of the national team. So, yeah, I mean, mm. we are we are blessed. And and as well yeah. as that, he just comes across, oh. you know, brilliantly. Even Kim Kardashian seems to love him. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, She was there with the bottles of prime. I thought it was sweet that Kim Kardashian's kids had the women's women's players' names on their back. Rather than that was a good that was a good move. Uh, I think that was that was nicely authentic as well. Yeah, do you know what right. I mean? It was. Yeah. If anyone was going to be critical of them just turning up and having a box and being able to watch the game, and then you see the the women's players' name on the back, and you think, no, that's that's proper support. That is to even yeah. know that they wanted those those names on their back. So. Exactly. Um, I assume Ben out, out, out for, but Ben Winston got 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 the tickets because obviously he produces her um, show on on Disney Plus. But who, who knows? I haven't checked. Um, uh, but back to so the interesting thing that you mentioned about Player of the Year. I mean, a lot, this, there is debate. A lot of people think Odegaard is is a contender for Player of the Year. Um, you know, and out and then there is the Erling Haaland situation. That's fascinating, isn't it? Actually, that the the, the what do you reckon, Alan? Do you, what, is there a betting market for Player of the Year at this moment? And who, who's, who's the favourite? There is. And uh, sometime uh, contributor to this podcast, Russ Yershin, has mm. been telling me the whole way through two, three months that the prices are wrong. Um, Stacker is still 7-1 to one for the main award and 4-1 mm. uh, to one for the Young Player of the Year award. Um, Russ's thinking is that Harland can't get both and that you you should back Thacker for both because you're going to get paid out on one. Um, Odegaard's not really in the conversation. He's, he's oh, a double-figure okay. price, 10, 10, 12 to 1. I mean, that's not to say that's right. That's just the you know bookmaker's opinion, which can sometimes be wrong. I mean, mathematically, uh, you'd have to say that. Uh, Harland has to be favourite because of you know what he's actually achieved. But I, I'm not sure with this particular one, um, and here I probably owe a, an apology to Gareth Parker and the amazing work the London Football Association Awards or London Football Awards do. Um, but I, I was critical of them 
suddenly presenting 22, 23 awards a couple of weeks ago because I just felt felt it was the wrong time to do it. But I'm not sure when the votes actually go in for the PFA ones. Um, I, I believe it's the end of February, which would mean that you're sort of missing the large chunk of the, the well, the form that we've had through March. Um, and now, obviously, with the international window and coming up to April, that we don't kick a ball again till till the 1st of April, 2nd of April weekend. Yeah. Um, how much is actually considered, especially key games at the end of the season? I, I don't really like the fact that awards can be decided until you know, the final few balls are kicked. So uh, with a PFA one, I believe the voting has already been been done. So look, Saka has to be up there in the conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it is always too early, isn't it? The PFA one. Yeah. I always feel like it's ridiculously early. that they've, I don't understand why it's voted for so early. It's it's insane. Um, and I thought they put it back a bit, but you, you're probably right. You're probably... Um, I always remember that they used to present it the the, the weekend of the cup semi-finals. I, I remember we played a semi-final yeah. up at Villa Park, and then the team dashed back because pretty sure it might have been Bergkamp or Henri that, that, that got it that season. Um, as I say, I have had it explained to me why the London Football Awards are early and and the amazing work they do for charity. I didn't mean yeah. Yeah. to criticise that when I said that, that it's too early, but. I almost don't. I, I almost meant I don't like really jinxing saying Mikel Arteta is manager of the year with eleven Premier League games to go in such a sort of good position. If you know what I mean, it sort of almost yeah, yeah. seems like tempting fate. Completely, yeah. Um, we should take a break and then we should talk about the uh, the European exit, the ramifications of that, what we think of it, um, and how it affected our season, etc. After this, and we'll be back after this quick break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back after the ad um, and the theme tune and the weird uh, music that happens in the in the in the break um, with Josh and Alan. Uh, Josh, what did you make of? There was a big debate uh, on six oh six about our um, our uh, European game, and people saying that the big debate was whether Arteta picked too strong a team. And to go through, you know, what ended up being one hundred and twenty minutes and penalties, the emotional and physical strain that must have had on them. Um, and we incurred one bad, really bad injury, as we've said, with Tommy Asso and possibly and, and another one with Saliba, who maybe hopefully they've just taken precautionary measures with him, so keep him out of the French squad during the international break, etc. But there was quite a big debate among Arsenal fans phoning in as to whether we should have basically thrown the Europa League and just played kids and not, you know, not had out, not, not, uh, not um, had the threat of injuries, and but then now is that is that whole argument moot because we went on to completely win easily against Palace and it's absolutely fine. And we don't, apart from the injuries, we don't don't seem to be affected by that game and going out of Europe at all. Talking about this now is a very different to how I would have felt. Mm. I think in that hour coming away from the stadium on Thursday night, because I actually felt fairly frustrated on Thursday night because I think we had shown in the away leg, and then certainly in the home leg. I mean, we didn't even play Turner in goal. You, you, you know, the one position where you think you kind of always turn to your, you know, your number two goalkeeper. That That's how seriously Arteta wanted to, to get through and win the game. So by committing all your players to it, 
and not getting through in a tie that we were rightfully, you know, favourites and, and quite heavy favourites to get through. Failing to do so, you know, it is an un- undoubted blow. Yet it, it's hard to sort of not look at it now through the lens of, you know, realistically, if we had to win one game or the other Thursday night or Palace, given where we are in the league and how long it's been since we won the league, there's no question, I think, that we're pretty much the entirety of a stadium would have chosen Sunday. But it it was a potential blow. I think with the, you know, the injuries, that's unfortunate, isn't it? You know, it can happen in, in sort of any time a player can get injured in a Premier League game. I guess some will say the more games you play a player in, the more chance they're going to pick up an injury. So there's, there is that element of it. I worry on Saliba that the noise is coming out from a few of the slightly more in the know um, accounts on on Twitter seem to be suggesting that this might not be uh, mm. quite as uh, small an injury as it mm. um, might have first been uh, been portrayed. Um, okay. But look, I, I, I was frustrated. Um, it is a freak goal. A few things were a freak. You probably saw the goal scored from the longest distance. I know Alan likes a stat. I don't know if that's... 100% true, but at the Emirates, I can't think of a goal that's been scored by a player from, from further away. And of course, we saw the first ever penalty shootout at, at the Emirates, mm. I believe. So I think to to end up going out to a goal of outrageous skill, outrageous judgment, I don't even think you can really point the finger too much at Ramsdale. Maybe he reacted just a, a half a second too late, but it, it's an outrageous goal penalties of the lottery and you worry was it going to affect Martinelli and you know not one bit by what we saw on Sunday um much as I know you wanted to go to Budapest I know you fancied (laughs) Budapest for the final Boyd but it's not to be no I I mean if anything Martinelli stepped up was even better than usual I mean he had a great game didn't he I mean you know seemed seemed driven by the determination uh maybe to prove to prove himself after that disappointment. But Alan, do you think, I mean, the other thing about the game, the, the European exit is, um, you know, you were talking about cri- criticising uh, him a little bit for his his team selection, but I do feel now, I know it's, again, Martin Keown again said it, and it's almost like a taboo thing to admit, if you're that high level, an Arsenal, an ex-Arsenal player, or, you know, if you're that close to the club structure, to say, it's just better, isn't it, that we can focus on the league, with such as the position we're in, than have that distraction of, those Europa League games. I can see I can see the sense in saying that afterwards, but I, I mean, I, I, it's a real bugbear of mine that as soon as Sky Sports lost the rights to show um, the Champions League and, and the lesser tournaments, um, suddenly they, they start talking as if it's not worth winning the Europa League and not worth winning the Europa Conference. And UEFA take a fair degree of the blame for this because they had three perfectly good tournaments, Mm. condensed them into two, realised they needed three again and came out with a conference. Now, no other country in Europe treats those other two competitions the way that we do. Um, Even in Italy, a serial winner like Jose Mourinho, whether you like him or not, and I'm sure most listeners to this podcast (laughs) from the Arsenal parish do not like him at all. He was delighted to win the Europa Conference last year, and that was lauded, lauded in Italy as a decent achievement for Roma last season. Um, there are some West Ham fans now saying that they'd rather ditch the conference to to go higher in the league. But you know what are you doing by going higher in the league, trying to get Europa League point position or or another conference position? I mean that self-serving circle of you know sacking off good European tournaments that have a lot of prestige uh, to therefore just go higher in a league where the ultimate accolade um, that a a club of that size is going to get is just qualification again for the same tournament. I don't like that at all. And if you then take it as a purely Arsenal thing, we have an abysmal European record, abysmal. And we really need to start to make a big impact on those tournaments. And, you know, I think we've lost what, you know, the last four or five finals that we've been in, in European competition, it isn't good enough. And, you know, you're harking back to the days of George Graham winning the Cup Winners' Cup, which is far too long without a European trophy. So it's an either-or situation. 
And with a squad the size and the you know the riches that we have, we should be able to manage our way through a tournament that some poor sides have won down the years. Um, so I, I really don't think it is either or. And I think, again, it's a mild, mild criticism of a guy that's had an amazing season managing this team. But I, I think I would have, instead of spreading first-team players throughout the 120 minutes, he probably should have overloaded it at the start. But I'm speaking with a huge degree of hindsight there. But mm. look, you know, we're going to be back in the Champions League next season. That is yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. And I think that for me... Is, we need is, to make an impact on that tournament. We I really think for, do. I think for me, that's the that's the killer fact. I think we're in a very unusual position that we never thought we'd get in, which is that, you know, we're we're top of the league. We have a very, very realistic chance of winning this league this year. We happened. We we're in the Europa League. We know we're going to finish top four. Like we don't that. I mean, that is definitely going to happen. And the re, and what you for me the main. I, I hear what you're saying about our record in Europe, but I don't. I'm never, and I don't really care what the rest of Europe thinks. I'm not sure if I necessarily buy. You know, I'm not sure if like if the biggest clubs in Europe were in the Europa League. I don't know. Would would they be thrilled at winning that? Thing? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think so necessarily. Well, even even you know, even Manchester United were thrilled at winning it. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, but Man United's different, isn't it? I mean, I'm, Man United now. But they're recently, a huge. I mean, come on, they're, they're arguably the biggest club in the world. I oh, no, no, no. But what, I'm, what I mean, but in terms of recent success, you know, I'm talking about, you know, would Real Madrid, you know, be delighted to be? I genuinely in the, think they would. The I genuinely think I don't they think would. So. Again, I, think I mean, when when Seville won it, they, you know. Lauded in Spain for winning it. Even sure. this conference tro- trophy that shouldn't shouldn't have ever existed. They should have kept the the you know the three tournament format from before. Um, but now they've recreated this third third tier tournament. There's a lot of prestige behind that as well. I really feel there is, and uh, I I just think for a club of our size. I mean, the answer I would always give to Liverpool, United, and Chelsea fans about where's our I mean, even Aston Villa and Nottingham Forest fans who get in on the act by singing it, um, where's your European Cups? Um, is the answer that I think if the European Cup had been around in the 30s when we were clearly the best team in the world, we'd have probably had three or four. It's just, you know, it obviously got invented a little bit later. It's, I think it's a, I think that's a reasonable excuse for those kind of clubs. But, you know, we've mm. not really been in touching distance of it apart from sort of being ahead with 10 men in that in that final, which... You know, Arsenal know. And, and his team I'm deserve not, immense I'm not, credit for, but yeah, we I'm haven't not really been close in I know, 17 I'm not, attempts. I know, I'm not disagreeing that we have a terrible record in it, but what I'm saying is, is that this particular season, I just don't feel that that is a priority. Jo- uh, that, that, that's totally it. If this was last year and we're fifth in the league and chasing down fourth and that's all to play for, the way we went out of Europe feels so different. Do you remember, was it um, just before COVID that we lost to Olympiacos? We went out to Olympiacos. Is that that right? Like the feeling then was a huge frustration of like, you know, what what are we doing here? You know, we're not going to compete for the league. You know, the top four may, may even be beyond us. So, you know, losing to a team that you know was superior to and going out of Europe was was that was a terrible night at the Emirates just mm. just a terrible Emirates night it didn't quite feel like that because of the context of of the year of the year that we're in and I think it's yeah like I said before it's been lowered because of how strongly you know we came back but I I guess if you were saying what is the worst possible thing that can happen on Thursday night it would be we play 120 minutes we play all every everyone who could be turned to is is required and needed um and we still and we still go out and um i i guess that's what happened um bring back the away goals rule i guess that is the only solution right and then would have would have been okay yeah 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 that's true yeah um well, we can agree to differ. That's fine. I mean, I know, I know, I, I just feel. I, do you know what? It's Europa League for me is. I think it is. It is because it's such a recent phenomenon in my mind, and I am old enough to remember the Cup Winners' Cup and the UEFA Cup, and those did feel 
so I don't know. They just they felt less contrived somehow than the, the yeah. than this than this, the Europa League. And with the Thursday night thing, I don't like you know t- that whole Thursday Sunday thing. I just find the whole thing irritating. And I I can't remember who won it. You know who who remembers who wins the fucking Europa League apart from unless it's your team that won it. Obviously, May United. Well, if in doubt. You know, if well, in doubt, just say Sevilla. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Unai I, Emery, I, specialist. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt last season. Oh, I mean, I, I genuinely have no idea. I would, I, until you said that, I had absolutely no idea. I have to say, I have to admit. Um, so well done, Eintracht Frank, Frankfurt. But it's particularly that I just to reiterate again that we're even more than that we're competing for the league because it could have we could have been in a situation where there's like four or five teams competing for the league, but. Not only are we competing for the league, we're we're definitely going to make top four, and that's the big prize of the Europa League for me, rather than the actual fucking trophy. It's like that's why you you know you want to win it, but we're going to get in the top four, so it doesn't matter. I mean, and now we now we are now we have this the the, the mission could not be clearer, could it? These ten games, these ten fixtures for the rest of the season. Uh, that's all. That's 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 literally obviously yeah. what we're well, going to focus on. Man City have a minimum. Uh, of 14 games to go in a possible maximum. If they got to both the FA Cup and the Champions League final, they would have 18. And we have 10. I mean, it's a massive difference in in not a big period of time. You're talking from, you know, April 1st, when both they and us come back to Premier League action, um, you know, domestically through to, you know, the end of a Premier League season on on May 28th, they might have a you know FA Cup final on June 3rd and a Champions League final the the following weekends. So it, it's a lot. I mean, they've obviously got a, an incredible squad. Sadly, they're scoring goals at an unbelievable rate over the last couple of games, seven and and six, and you know for Haaland to score successive hat tricks and, uh, and five, it, you know, it, it's just extraordinary. Um, but there's no doubt that that should play into our hands that we have 10 games. Um, and also it means uh, we know exactly when these fixtures are. Boy, are you, you looking forward to the Friday night at the Emirates we're going to have for the yeah. Southampton game? Very excited about uh, some. I don't know why I'm so excited about that. Yeah, just different, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I was looking at the fixtures today. I was comparing our fixtures. I didn't do the full totting up the full what I, what I think the the outcome of each game will be. But I think it's going to be really, really close. And then, and I think the other thing we should mention about the about winning four one is that we've we've closed the goal difference gap to a mere two points now, which I think is two goals now, which I think is really important. Alan, what is the current thinking? I keep asking these betting questions as to who is who, who's favourite. Are we basically just like inseparable? We're, no, it's it's gone to a 60-40 chance in our favour, and they're okay. they're the hundred percent odds. So that that's. That's pretty much near as damn it the exactly right percentage for the chances. Sixty percent Arsenal, forty percent Manchester City. Um, obviously, no one else anywhere near. Uh, what I like about the way the fixtures end up, and as Josh said, you know we return to action on the first of April. Um, Man City play Liverpool that day, and yeah. if, if Liverpool do us the favour of Man City not winning, so that's even a draw. If Liverpool can go and get a draw at the Etihad, which we know they are more and more than capable of doing, um, beat Leeds, which is probably one of our easiest remaining fixtures at home to Leeds, to go a double figure, double digit clear. And that, to me, nine games to go being 10 clear or 11 clear is huge. I know, I know it's still great to be you know as clear as we are at the moment, having added three points to the five-point gap yesterday. But to me, that just psychologically does it. Yeah. And, and, oh, that would and be incredible, yeah. I think the 1st of April is the key thing. And we're all we're all behind Liverpool that day to get as much as they can at the Etihad because it really sets us up nicely for what should be, let's touch wood, an easy three points at home to Leeds. And... and I can imagine walking out of the stadium. I'm pretty sure the City Liverpool game is the 12:30 game. Um, it is, yeah. So therefore, we'll know exactly what we need to do in the afternoon. And and can you imagine that? You know, walking out of the Emirates at about five o'clock that day with a 10 or 11 point lead, with nine to play. I think we'll start believing and start singing that we believe. 
You so almost do, don't want to say it. <laughs> no, I know. I, I don't want to say it at all. No, no. I can't. I still can't. I can't. I can't say it. I can't um, admit that Apparently, we... Go on. I'm sure Josh will know this, but there are a few people singing the Now You're Going to Believe Us at uh, Fulham. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mentioned yeah, that, that. And I mentioned right? how... Yeah. yeah, I mentioned how I was sort of, you know, almost feel uncomfortable with uh, with that I song being is. being sung. But you, you understand why why people are, you know, feeling uh, like that. Um, yeah, it will only, it will only be sung hopefully um, louder and louder as we, uh, as we get through to, to the rest of the season. But it's funny, people are talking about how, oh, Liverpool can go and get somebody at Man, at Man City, but then, you know, we've got to play them the, the following week at Anfield. Like, you know, um, you know, we, we've got some, mm-hmm. even, even if we got 10 points out, Ahead, we could still go, <laughs> go and lose at Anfield. We've got to go to City, we've got to go to Newcastle, but the way wouldn't, wouldn't the feel way, it's done. No, look, look, but I, I, um, look, the, the, 60%, good. the 60% chance will, ch- will change to about 75, put it that way, whether we like it or not. It will, it will increase to about 75 if it plays out the way I've just said. The good thing about us going to Liverpool on, on that Sunday, the 9th is that, um, you know, City and Liverpool play each other on the first. They've both got a midweek game, and then we go to Liverpool. So we'll be going to a Liverpool side that played in midweek. And I, I just think we can get something at Anfield. I really do. I like I like the way that we beat Liverpool. Uh, I like the way that we planned to to play against their weaknesses. And I think those weaknesses are still there, despite their pick-up in results. And um, I think we can get something at Anfield. Uh, I mean, then, before we play City, we play West Ham away. West Ham have been abysmal this season. And then uh, a, a, home, a Southampton side that, that, albeit it was fun to laugh at their result of the weekend, um, I think we can handle that Friday night. And, and, and then we go to City. And, and by that time, <laughs> I just like to think that, that we're more like an 80% chance of winning the league even if we draw that game or, or lose that game. By the way, that, that Liverpool game that they're playing in the middle of the week before they play us is again is away at Chelsea as well. I mean, that's, you know... Yes, a... I, know, I knew it was a hard fixture. I didn't know yeah. it was Chelsea. Yeah. So look, I, I, I genuinely think, in their players' minds as well, do they want City to win it or do they want Arsenal? Will they be trying against us? That's another, <laughs> like another think, element to throw like in there. To another think, element yeah, to yeah. throw in there. Certainly, I know football Liverpool fans are absolutely behind us um, in our in our struggle against the evil, sure. yeah. the evil um, Middle East owned um, fascist regime backed uh, Man City with unlimited resources. Currently being investigated, uh, of course, uh, for their hundred or so alleged um, misdemeanors as well. Of course, something something to think about. So uh, we should predict then. Uh, anything else before we predict launch our full prediction? We'll be off air during the. Boring international well, break. Go on, Josh. Just one. Th- well, there, there was a bit of solidarity, wasn't there, with Pat Vieira? Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know his his name was sung loud and was, proud around yeah. around the Emirates. And the news while we've been recording this podcast is that Roy Hodgson is is going back to back to Palace, which wow. does seem a, a strange one. I feel for Vieira because. You know, I do think he'd have got them away from this. They've got to still play Palace, all of the eight teams that are below them, uh, including five of those eight games at home. So I do feel a bit sorry for Vieira. I, I just wonder how much, if anything, does this damage the possibility of him? You know, clearly Arteta is going nowhere soon, but, you know, the thoughts on Vieira as a future Arsenal manager, they damaged by this sort of sorry period he's had at Crystal Palace? I think they are. Um, I there was a period I, his name was being sung at one of the the, the earlier games in Arteta's reign when Arteta yeah, was yeah, on quite that. a bad run, and it yeah, felt yeah. to me that it was almost being disrespectful to to Arteta at the time, who was who was suffering a little bit, and it was as if the Arsenal fans were saying, you know we're almost making clear who we'd like our replacement to be. But I think that game was that really late 2-2 draw where we scored a goal mm-hmm. right at the end. Um, but, look, I mean, Palace's form up until, you know, 
getting crushed by us yesterday in some difficult games. I don't know. I think they got beat by Tottenham very clearly at the start of the year. But other than that, they haven't lost by more than one. And the margin in each of their games has been very, very small margins. And they've just not had the forwards to take advantage. So I'm not actually certain that they've been playing abysmally and certainly bad, bad enough that you would then change the manager. I think what did for him was the fact that they have this bizarre derby in you know quotation marks against Brighton that the the fans weren't particularly happy with going down one nil there without really registering many chances, and um, that's got through to the owners and 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 they, they've got rid of him, and they've gone and lost by three, Emirates, and that was you know their biggest defeat for for about twelve thirteen games. So. Uh, in some respects, I'm, I think he was a bit hard done by. But I think you can fail like that and and still be considered uh, for for what is now an elite managerial job. And and Arteta has dragged it back to that status. I, I think it's also interesting. There's another managerial situation, isn't there, in the Premier League in, in the other half oh. of North London? Yeah, and it would be remiss of us not to mention. That seeing the Tottenham Hotspur manager tell the world what has been wrong, not at the club in the 90 minutes he's just watched, not even in the last couple of weeks or this season, he has, he has told the world what has been endemic at that club for 20 years and why they're not going to win. I just can't think of anything more embarrassing for a football club than to have the manager have to spell it out. When even Pochettino, who all they knew and loved and took them to a European Cup final, tried to try to tell them nicely. And now they've got Conte telling the world. And I I don't know, Al, what the latest betting is on that, but I, I, I just wonder if he'll still be there by the time we come back after this international break. It it just seems to be uh, an incredibly low point. Yeah, I mean, the, the betting was suspended on him being the next out. Um, and obviously that was... You know, this happened long after Vieira departed. Vieira departed midweek last week, and his interview was obviously Saturday after the um, Southampton debacle, where where they drew three three in the last minute. Theo Walcott had a superb game. He did. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, looking at yeah. the highlights, Wonderful. so I have to acknowledge that. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. he was back to it's like he rolling the years, rolling it back a decade. But um, uh, you know, he always used to raise his game against them, and it was good to see. Mm. Um, I got. Roundly criticised for saying on this podcast many, many years ago that I admire Tottenham fans who turn up every week and people say, well, you can't do that. You've got to hate them completely. And I said, well, no, actually, there's there's a bit of a nuance to what I'm saying here. Because what Conte said is right. Yet there are certain Tottenham fans that turn up week in, week out and pay reasonably high prices, as near as, as high as the ones that we pay. And they get absolutely nothing for it. Um, yeah, I mean, they had a great trip to Madrid where, you know, they're a bit hard done by, by that, you know, that Liverpool penalty. And yeah. we all feared that night that they might do something that we've never done before. And that would have been an absolute shocker. But in reality, they've done absolutely nothing, as Conte points out, for a very, very long time with the status as a big club. And yet their fans turn up week in, week out. Oh. And... Yeah. They get great support. So I, I, I genuinely, and I think it's funnier if you say that to any Tottenham fans you know. Oh, I you agree. Know, it's, almost, it's almost friends, like you said, yeah. I pity you. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Some of my best friends are Spurs fans. Some of, and I admire their absolute commitment to, to, to the club in spite of everything. They, the the um, That Antonio Conte, Conte um, press conference is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And I don't just mean <laughs> in football. I mean, like, you know, I'll compare it to like 40 Towers and, you know, the greatest comedy films ever made, you know, some like it hot, the <laughs> Marx Brothers, Laurel and Hardy, you know, he was so, he, his timing in that press and what added to the whole thing. Now you've got me onto this. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't planning on discussing it in this much detail, but when you, I've watched it like four, four times and it gets funnier each time. What is so amazing about him is you can, you can it's really quite hard sometimes to make out what he's saying because he has got a very he's got his very heavy obviously Italian accent. I'm not having a go. He's Italian. It's fair enough, and he's got a slightly stilted 
in command of English, you know, he has slightly stilted phrasing. And sometimes you have to, so I, I've watched it so many times like, did he really say that? Is he really saying, you know, that the owner, the to mentioning the owner, mentioning the players, just slagging off every single, every single element of the club. It's an extraordinary diatribe. And he's, yeah, I could not believe it. I was so, I was so happy with that. It's like, it's almost like it's, if you believe in karma or at the moment for Arsenal fans, it's like you've got two, these two huge pleasurable things happening in our lives where we're playing the best football we've played for decades. We can win the league. I mean, it'll be, it'll now be gutting if we don't, let's face it. And Spurs are descending into a laughing stock that, that even by their standards, they haven't been for years. I mean, they were, you know, we always consider, but they have finished above us for a lot, for quite a few years now in the league, haven't they? So the whole thing is just unbelievable. I feel like, we're living in a in a in a in a period we're gonna be telling our grandchildren about for years to come. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Conte, Josh. I knew there was something we had to mention. Um I believe, the... uh, go on. Since Totteringham's Day returns after six years. I think we need oh, God, yeah. two exactly. two more wins. Two more wins yeah. to seal it. Yeah. Uh, one, well, I have one more thing to say about our non-Arsenal-related matters, which I really wanted to say because it's so it's annoying me so much. I, that mad uh, Man United-Fulham Cup game where Willian and Mitrovic were sent off, right? Mitro- Mitrovic pushing their free. I'm not laughing at that. That is terrible, and he'll face a ban, I'm sure. But I'm abs- I cannot, still can't believe that Bruno Fernandes got away with pushing the linesman a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Can that, can, does any like? I still hasn't been explained to me. Like how, like, how has he got away with that? How was the FA? How was the Premier League not investigating it? Is there some does, well, it, does the linesman have to complain or something? Or what is what's going on? You've never believed me that 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 officials referee shirts and not incidents. And I think you can do things yeah. in Manchester United and Liverpool shirts that uh, you you can get away with that in those shirts. But that example. Unbelievable, isn't it? Like, I know, that is I know. Just, but in in those yeah. shirts, you can get away with things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's been clear for a very long time. It, it's 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 almost ingrained in, you know, they're the, the you know they are the two biggest clubs in the country historically and yeah. um and and in actual size, and they've just been able to get away with those things. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that, this, that's, that the, case, difference. Seems, that's yeah. the difference. But the thing yeah. is, I, I, I mean, if going on to that game, I really know what Fulham are complaining about. I mean, he no, clearly no, of course, there's nothing to complain about. Away. I don't know what Silver says. The rule is that if you do put your hand out like that, it, there's not a double jeopardy rule for that, so you do have to go. And then obviously, clearly Mitrovic has to go because it's a very forceful attack on the referee's shoulder. But so yeah, I don't 100%. know what they're complaining no, about. At oh, all. It was mad. It was absolutely mad. Anyway, we should. We, it's now. It's nearly ten past eleven. The recording. This is getting really, really late, and I've got some articles to write. Um, well, let's have. Let's project forward two weeks to April the first, three o'clock. Unbelievably not on television. So, but you know, there we go. Arsenal versus Leeds, as we say after the Liverpool Man City game. What do you think the score's going to be, Alan? Look, Leeds have actually picked up their score in the last few weeks. They they, they got four at Wolves. They got two against Brighton. A, a quite hard score against. So, six in two games. I, I don't think that makes them a better team than their overall form has been. But I can see them getting on the score sheet. This lack of Emirates clean sheets this season is something that I brought up earlier in the season. Uh, but I do believe that we'll score first, and I think the pattern of the game will be very similar to the Crystal Palace game, and I, I think it'll be 3-1 to Arsenal. Okay, Josh? I, I'm going to go with exactly the same score prediction. I think Leeds are, are probably good for a goal um, at the moment, but I think Arsenal will have too much. So 3-1, though I'm not sure I hold as much optimism for Liverpool early, earlier in the day as Alan does, but um, we mm. keep winning. We'll be yeah. okay. What do you think, Boyd? I was going to say three one as well. So just for very, for just to vary, I'll say two one. Um, yeah, but it should be, it should be okay. And finally, I thought of a song to play at, at, at the Emirates. I'm going to shock you here. I'm going to go for Genesis. Turn it on again, which is one of my favourite songs of all time. Is a very, and I've always, I've thought for a while that, that should be a football match song because it's a very uplifting, brilliant um, uh, Phil Collins era Genesis. 
very fashionable of me to say so, obviously. Turn it on again. I'd quite like to hear that played at the Emirates in the next Arsenal game. So Do your stuff, Pete. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Pete. Um, it all remains for me to say is thank you so much, as ever, to the great Alan Alga for all his insights. Um, to Josh. Great to be back. Great to have you. Can, could not be happier. Let's hope this continues. Um, and we'll be back after the Leeds game. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.